Vickers. I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington. And the Vickers today joining me, that is the current Vickers, Father Pat Kirst, who is the Vicar for Priests, busy with assignments, and also the Pastor St. Thomas More, Father Brian Mee, Pastor St. Augustine, and Vicar for Finance, and Father Darren Connell, the Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady of Lords Cathedral here in downtown Spokane. In the recent news, we saw in, and heard in Holy Week that the Cathedral of Notre Dame uh, caught fire, and much has been spoken about as those pictures gripped a nation, live from Baltimore. Um, we are we, we going to be saying Notre, Notre, Dame, Notre, Dame, yeah. Notre Dame? No, let's do the English pronunciation. No? No. No, no because no, Lester Holt used Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. Dame. But Terry Drinkwater used Notre Dame. It's but like we'll Lady, Notre Our Lady Dame. of Lourdes. Yes, yes. In any case, uh, the bishop speaking now on the vicars and the bishop show, uh, we, um, <laughs> Guess we're we want to take a look about the notion of what that fire, among others, um, uh, other tragedies in the church have, have led to um, a renewal of the faith, of holiness. In the midst of this, when people saw that cathedral on fire and were wondering, would the whole thing collapse? Outside, there were young people praying and singing and the people of France, as you would say, have <laughs> rallied together uh, for this. Is that the same as France? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Francais. But um, in light of that, we want to speak about persecution, uh, some of the difficulties of the church, the challenges we face, and how in the midst of all of this, we are a people of hope. And Easter season is about hope, the resurrected Christ who bring, comes back to, or is in the midst of his disciples, and Rather than chastising them for abandoning him and betraying them, he calls them with a with a gift and invites them the gift of peace. So, with all of this said, uh, Father Me had an interesting uh, article that he was reading in Field and Stream, and um, <laughs> no, it's on on persecutions in the church. Just oh. kind of to frame this discussion and some of the difficulties people experience in the faith. Father, if you would, we'll talk a little bit about that. Well, just very quickly, it was a report that came out from the Foreign Secretary of England. Gladstone. The United Kingdom. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> his name is Jeremy Hunt. But anyway, he came out with a report on Christian genocide, and we don't often use that term. And he referred to someone else who uh, referred to it as a silent genocide, because again, especially perhaps in our American news, we don't hear much about it. But uh, as far as a group goes, Christians are the largest group of those being persecuted in the world today. And uh, just very quickly, one of the figures he brought out was that worldwide, 245 million Christians are persecuted in 50 countries uh, in the world. So again, I think we all, if we can uh, search back through our memories and we'll think of hearing of one little persecution here, one little persecution there of Christians, but um, we probably don't put those all together and sum it up to say that uh, the Christian persecution taking place in the world today is very real. Does it, is there mention of what form that 
persecution takes? Is it the same as in prior ages? Is it actual physical threat or? or well, I think you have two forms of persecution going on. The first, the active one, which is that uh, actual killings. You know, what's brought out in the report is in the Middle East, where you have uh, the oldest Christian communities, actually. Some of them are completely disappearing. And um, one of the things, not that, not in this report, but uh, we so quickly forget, or we have short memories. Um, this, in the year 2019, we, of course, observe the 100th anniversary of uh, over 1.5 million Armenian Christians uh, being put to death. And uh, so, I mean, it's something, it's interesting as well, is uh, there's been a Christian persecution, of course, part of world history, so through the ages, but it's, it's very much alive, if you can say that, about persecutions today as well. I, th <clears throat> I think that if for us uh, here in the United States, uh, that's a really important reflection. Um, after the the uh, bombings in Sri Lanka, uh, as we all know, the Archbishop uh, <clears throat> suspended indefinitely the public celebration of Mass and uh, in his cathedral and throughout the di the archdiocese. And I, I was preaching one day a uh, daily Mass at the cathedral and just mentioned to that to the people in the that imagine if Bishop Daly just announced uh, indefinitely there will be no more Masses celebrated in the diocese of Spokane, and you know the people had a kind of a shock look on their face, it, 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 it kind of hit them just how serious uh, that kind of uh, persecution is even today with the threat of, of people's um, losing their lives for coming to Mass and, and worshiping. We think of that as, I think, sometimes as an ancient uh, phenomenon, but it's actually happening uh, today and in, in this month. Huh? But I think to Father <clears throat> Kerr's point, too, or question at least, um, there's a soft persecution. In other words, a persecution that takes place not by... Um, not a bloody persecution. Like a bishop with his priests? or Well, <laughs> I, analogous, I suppose. I thought the strife was over. <laughs> the strife, <laughs> it's coming back. It Way has go, returned. But, um, I mean, when you think of it, even, even how we can express or not express our Christian faith in our own country. You know, we, we pride ourselves on being a land of freedom, which we are in part, but um, still we're very much uh, told to stay with our, in our lanes when we're speaking about Christian things or um, how we express our own faith. I would think that that point that Father Lee uh, spoke about uh, is exactly what you hear in circles that you know persecution is no longer um, uh, the loss of life or being chased by by lions or Father Connell's case um, probably Chihuahuas or uh, mice. Mice, mice. Yes, <laughs> big teeth, big, big teeth, teeth, mice. Um, oh, how but the he fact fears them. You um, you lose uh, a circle of friends. Uh, I think before that mutual respect, you may not have agreed with everything, but at some point, it probably is true. You're going to um, experience uh, uh, I don't know a loss of of the circle that you're comfortable with because there's certain topics you cannot bring up. Uh, because it's been deemed uh, inappropriate in a so-called uh, tolerant and open-minded society. And in, probably it's not every part of the nation, but certainly in the West, and I'm sure in the East, another San Francisco, uh, San Francisco uh, Seattle, um, Keokuk, Iowa, uh, where your <laughs> Uncle Edgar was born. But um, in any case, uh, it's a serious issue. And in the midst of it, though, this great article that our um, Mary Richards gave us um, <laughs> was talking about uh, the persecution that goes on in the church and the loss of, of uh, hope in 
the author speaks about getting into um, a romantic notion that the past was always best, what, what they call the conservative melancholy, or disdain for the present, which leads to despair. And again, lead, talking about there was the people in Paris as, as the cathedral was on fire, this gathering of mostly young people out front uh, singing and, and praying. So in the midst of persecutions, obviously loss of life or loss of reputation or a social circle, in the midst of all of this, we are still called to believe, to have in that spirit of hope. And uh, maybe a quote for us to reflect on uh, from uh, the historical play, The Dialogues of the Carmelites, when priests are lacking, martyrs are abundant, and so the balance of grace is restored. If that was an essay question, Father Me, how would you respond to this? Or, or <laughs> well, you, are you part of Operation Varsity Blues? Someone else is taking that test for you. <laughs> uh, I would first refer to the author, who's Bernanos, a French writer, who uh, his whole theme, or one of his major themes, was um, never to despair at all. Um, there is always hope. And so you mentioned the dialogues of the Carmelites, that um, spoke about the martyrs of Compiègne, but he also wrote The Diary of a Country Priest. And in that, The Diary of a Country Priest, the priest is, is well, not unlike, um, well, I won't, I won't name names. He's a young priest. He drinks a little too much wine. He's, um, you know, he can border on despair. And then also he has stomach cancer. So he's suffering from that, he dies. But just before he dies, his final line is, all is grace. And the point Bernanos is making, no matter how dark you know, life may seem at any point, what we all have to remember always is, uh, we are in this great drama between good and evil, and where good will went out. So basically, uh, God gives us all we need, all is grace to uh, circle back to Sri Lanka and the <laughs> really, really likes that Sri Lanka story. Well, yeah. it, um, uh, the uh, masses have been uh, suspended, but uh, our executive producer uh, Mary Richard just uh, slipped me a note that um, w one of the things they had to postpone were the ordinations of two uh, young men for the priesthood in the archdiocese, and uh, I'm told by again our executive producer that. Uh, those ordinations did did take place in, in a parish church. In a parish uh, church, yeah, and it made that was uh, in our spokesman review. Oh, yes, I, guess I didn't read that. I was oh. the, I was on the train. I don't read uh, so. Litchfield, okay. and uh, but I, that article was there, and I shared that with a family from San Francisco who said they didn't even know that they were Catholic churches. They didn't even know there were this church. They thought it was like an assembly of just Christians. But it didn't say church, it didn't say Catholic church, and then I sent that picture of the ordination which took place in a church in the outskirts of uh, the city. Mumbai. No, that's no wrong there. country. Yeah, they were described as Easter worshipers. That could be the sunrise service that St. Augustine has down at um, <laughs> Manitou 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 Park. Park. Yeah. Yeah. All the ducks the at ducks Manitou. Yeah. yeah, or the... The wild turkeys. <laughs> uh, no, but back to the notion of hope and uh, and grace. Uh, can you think of uh, periods of time that maybe um, stand out where outside the earliest years of the church, the seed of uh, the blood of martyrs being the seed of the faith, but are there other times significant where the church seemingly rebounded 
uh, with a great renewal of faith after tremendous tragedy or persecution. Well, I was reading recently about Saint-Jean-Marie uh, Vianney, or John Marie Vianney, as you say. We have a parish in Spokane Valley. We have a yeah. seminary chapel yes. with a statue outside of... Uh, okay, get to the point. Yes. <laughs> Saint um, Saint John Vianney was uh, is kind of known, maybe apocryphal, I don't know, as a, not a very bright priest. And um, I was reading that uh, one of the reasons for that may have been that his studies were interrupted several times uh, because of the the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars, and so he was in and out of being able to study. And yet, despite um, you know that cross in his life and that that. Uh, how long was he studying for the priesthood? That a while, uh, six months. <laughs> no, <laughs> a long time, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he, he he converted thousands of people, uh, you know, and uh, to the Lord, and and uh, uh, was famous, obviously, for uh, having them experience the Lord's mercy in in confession, hope in the midst of Napoleon. Yes. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Father Me? Likes to speak of all things Ireland. Oh, he Ireland. sure does. <laughs> he sure does. Can you think of as we're wrapping it up? We're going to give you twenty seconds to talk about persecution in Ireland. Um, were you aware that the church was persecuted by the English, no less? Mm. And were they? You know, there was a time uh, that the only time that any meat was offered to them happened to be on Fridays and um, during the time during the time persecution. Uh, persecution. But well, yeah, there was a great time of persecution, but it's, that's true of every country. So uh, very quickly, because I see we're on the red as far as time goes, uh, as far as persecutions go, all the martyrs, I forget where I saw this um, a year or two ago, but it said that in the century in which we live, or let's say the 20th century actually, in the last hundred years there have been more martyrs than in the church than there had been in all the centuries before. And I, I think that combined, yes. So I think that goes back to the where we began, is um, here we, we live in the great age of persecution and uh, of Christian persecution. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and continue uh, our reflection on hope in the midst of tragedy and persecution. back to the Bishop and Vickers. Today we are speaking about the, the virtue of hope and hope, Christian hope specifically, and we frame this initial conversation within the context of the fire of the Cathedral of Notre Dame during Holy Week, and there are two um, images that were very well uh, covered in the press. One had to do with the, uh, the gold cross that was seen glowing in the midst of the smaller embers. It's kind of a sign that, that, that Christ and his church, this church in honor of Our Lady, uh, would uh, be rebuilt. And the other was um, not known to many of us, but uh, the bees that were in the, uh, the roof area. And um, that the bees, according to um, Father Connell, who is an amateur beekeeper. A beeist. A beeist. That, um, <laughs> that the bees, the, the queen bee, uh, did not flee uh, her charges. And uh, in the midst of all of this, the bees survived. Now, those are just kind of issues that maybe um, Bishop Joe Tyson, uh, his diocese 
might be in his Easter homily, but um, that in reality it was kind of just one of those signs of in the midst of all of this that there was something more. Um, typically, people misunderstand the role of the cross, and uh, in the midst of the tragedy comes the resurrection, if we want to see that and place that in a context. Father Connell the Break was talking about uh, the Holy Cross Fathers and what was significant in their charism and their spirituality. Well, I just want to um, piggyback or dovetail on that uh, on the bees for just a moment. We could circle back to <laughs> the Holy the... Cross Fathers <laughs> for a moment. But, you know, just that idea of, of being, that the bees being a metaphor for, for hope and and goodness in the midst of a difficult situation. I love the the chaplain uh, for, was it for the fire department uh, in France or Paris? Fournier. Fournier, um, Jean-Jacques Fournier, uh, who ran into the burning cathedral to save, try to save the relics and to save the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and he being, I just was wondering what the media was thinking about as he was describing what he was doing, especially people who maybe who weren't Christian or, or you know lukewarm or whatever, that he, he uh, the, the whole reason for him going in there, he said, is that, uh, he did not want to see someone whom they love to perish in the flames, which would be, you know, Jesus Christ. And uh, what a wonderful, I guess, teaching moment uh, and a, a, an opportunity for hope and belief in the midst of that tragedy. He was able to, to um, you know, teach the media and thereby the rest of Paris and everyone around the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the spirituality is so much centered on the cross and that message of life out of death. We've been talking some about the impact of both hard and soft persecution on Christian peoples, but then also uh, some digressions into the other forms of just difficulty that we experience by trying to be faithful disciples of Jesus. And, and then just the difficult situations that come into people's lives, be it poverty or, or abuse or, or uh, neglect, the, all the various things. And it seems that I haven't done a scientific analysis of this, but I think anecdotally, uh, historically, as... Uh, Christian peoples experience uh, suffering and you know poverty in, in the extreme and so forth that at least their public expression of faith is really heightened you know when are churches full it's when people are finding difficulties and they remember their faith hits the road in that moment and they got to turn to the Lord and and certainly that's the case in in terms of persecution and then when the persecution moves to the extreme of you know we're not even going to come together to celebrate mass uh, that really becomes a challenge to people to to let their faith really flow forth in terms of maintaining their hope and, and being resilient in the face of that and trusting that God brings life out of that, those death experiences. And One of the quotes to describe this maybe was a headline, God's story never ends with ashes. And um, I think that's kind of what Father Chris is saying here in the midst of that. Um, the, the people will not be defeated uh, because Christ is not defeated. And uh, we celebrate that on, at the, the resurrection on Easter Sunday. The challenge, of course, is uh, as we're listening to the readings of, of uh, the Easter season, is probably that period of time when the apostles just weren't quite sure. And they go back to their lives of fishing and other things as if kind of really what had happened. And um, so often in the, in the church, especially with what's been the last eight months of the scandal, there are people who are rattled and sometimes we ask ourselves, what will it take? Is this the time when people will just give up? And I think we as the church, as, as, as the priests and the pastors of God's people, to continue to inspire them to be a people of hope, but they must see in us that same 
hope, whatever the difficulties are, uh, whatever the struggles, and, and uh, we know that, for example, difficulties young priests often have a fidelity, and it's, it's kind of a difficult thing when we as uh, priests, either former vocation directors or rectors, we know of priests who might leave active ministry or desire to leave that uh, because they've had struggles. They've, they've fixated, sadly, on the cross without that notion of hope that has come uh, in fidelity. You know, I think um, sometimes we get so myopic in our view that we think, well, we're the only time that, um, and the only people that go through difficult times. But thinking of that great patron of um, that great parish on the South Hill, St. Augustine, uh, you know, in, in his time when he was a Bishop of Hippo, he, of course, he loved all things Roman in the Roman culture, and he was alive when Rome was run over by the Visigoths in 410. And that's when he began to write what would become one of his great classical works, The City of God. And The City of God, it was, um, well, we are to expect as Christians that we live in this earthly city, but we're citizens of the city of God. And uh, there will be trials and tribulations, but no matter, uh, our citizenship is in heaven. He completes that work, and um, he dies in the year 430. And by that time in 430, not the Visigoths, but the Vandals were at the gates of, um, of Hippo. And yet he would preach every day to his people to have hope. And then he dies, and then the Vandals run over the city of Hippo. Gee, that's no. awful. <laughs> <laughs> no matter, because no, no matter. citizenship is in heaven. That was your Christmas homily, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. People were... I have the letters on <laughs> my desk complaining. And also your first communion homily <laughs> and oh. Easter. If I could um, circle back for a moment to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. <laughs> um, I concluded my uh, rousing homily to my uh, people... Uh, which they were kind of discouraged and shocked at the fact the Archbishop the canceled the Mass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Archbishop had canceled Masses. And I said, but remember, we're in the Easter season, and the Acts of the Apostles is, is this, this ongoing story of persecution and violence for the sake of the faith, and then huge amounts of growth, you know, and then 5,000 were numbered or baptized that day, and just that, that cycle of, of growth that comes after persecution. I said, which is, which is kind of in an odd way a, an exciting or hopeful um, aspect of what's happening in, in Sri Lanka that God only knows what could come from this uh, uh, this darkness and history tells us that something will come out of it that is good and powerful. Well, a very important in the life of the church in the United States was the renewal of the faith in France following the revolution where a number of religious communities were established or once again reestablished and came to the United States uh, to be part of the missionary efforts uh, to bring the faith, uh, especially west of the Mississippi, but in so many of that, in the midst of that, that tragedy. I think kind of on a local scene, because though this uh, radio show is, is broadcast internationally and appreciated by thousands. Um, <laughs> in France. Millions. In, in, in France. In France, yeah. Um, that uh, in the Diocese of Spokane, in the midst of bankruptcy and scandal, uh, speaking of St. John Vianney, Bishop White Seminary was was rebuilt. And uh, I mentioned this maybe before, that the, the home missions, when they came to visit Richard Cole, uh, who is the director of the home missions, it struck him as a statement of the faith of the people and the leadership of Bishop Skillstead and other nameless priests that, um, that to do so. And I think it's a call, once again, of fidelity and... and um, 
uh, Gina Vanelli just at the break handed a little notepad about how everybody has to work on fidelity uh, in marriages, uh, in in priestly and religious vocations. Not at Endicott, commitment. Washington. Endicott, Washington. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she <laughs> parked her motorhome out front uh, my house. I had the police tow it, uh, but uh, evidently Endicott it was, filled, it was, was filled with bees. Yeah, no, it was a locust. Uh, but anyway. Um, just this call to fidelity in the midst of this, and we have these moments uh, of, uh, of whether it's persecution or tragedy, where people are called um, to remain committed to Christ, and that is not easy. I think all around us we're seeing people who just either are giving up or um, I just don't know where to, where to exercise that fidelity. Well, the curse, you seem to be perplexed. No. I think we're not on television. <laughs> That's just how I always look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to uh, a religious order of priests and brothers. The Benedictines. Not the Vincentians or the Benedictines <laughs> or the whatever. The um, stigmatists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but these are priests who run a university in Portland. Right, that's the fight song. And uh, Notre Dame in South Bend, South Bend, Indiana. King's College in Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania. They're not doing well. Oh, Stonehaven. Stonehill. I thought that was Jesuit. No, Stonehill is Holy Cross. Anyway, this was my story. The oh, what a story! Get to the point. The motto for the Holy Cross Fathers is Ave. Crux spes unica, hail to the cross, our only hope. And um, I think in the midst of our own personal suffering, uh, Mrs. Vanelli was mentioning fidelity applies to everyone. So does suffering apply to everyone at at, at, uh, uh, at some point or another. And 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 to enter into that, the paradox of the cross that it is only through the cross um, that we can find hope. And and the image that I use or think about often is the Blessed Mother. I know I mentioned this before. Um, the Blessed Mother on Good Friday, that if someone had told her, as awful as, as this looks, you know, you're supposed to have hope and it's, everything's going to be fine, um, you know, she probably would not have been convinced of that uh, as she's standing there watching her son die, and yet that was the truth. And she becomes, for us, a model. Isn't that when we pray the, uh, the fourth uh, glorious mystery, the assumption is a call to fidelity, as Mary was faithful in her whole life and her ministry. Um, Kind of wrapping the show up now, but we, we know that in the Easter season, uh, there are confirmations and First Communions in the various parishes, and it is an opportunity for us as the Church of Eastern Washington to uh, look in the, to the lives of our young people and see in them a message of hope. There's always, I think, uh, when you do baptisms, you ask the question, I think we ask the questions, uh, what will come of that child, in the sense will that child be, grow up to be a lifelong uh, a Catholic? And I'm sure parents look, hopefully, will ask the same question. So, and we we ask that you pray the listening audience for um, for our young people who are receiving in this Easter season throughout Eastern Washington the sacraments of um, confirmation and first Eucharist. And we also will have the ordination of Father uh, Deacon Raymond Kalima, who will be ordained um, May seventeenth May at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lourdes. Lourdes. At what Lourdes. time? Five thirty. 5.30, 5.30 in the evening. Yes. And please keep Deacon Raymond in your prayers as well as vocations to the priesthood. Uh, very often when the church is persecuted, there is a renewal of holiness. And we pray that the Lord will bless our church in eastern Washington and our seminaries with generous young men to say yes to be shepherds after Christ's own heart. God bless.